This is Alison Gang from Shandong City, China, and you are listening to Everybody ESL. Welcome to episode forty of Everybody ESL, the podcast for everybody who wants to improve their English, practice their English, or just learn more English. My name is Ben, and I have another good episode for you today with lots of good things to learn about and think about. The Everybody ESL podcast can be found in the Apple iTunes Store and on the Stitcher app. If you like the podcast, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. And if you have any questions about anything I talk about in this episode or any questions about English at all, send an email to everybodyesl at gmail dot com. All right, let's get on with this episode. The theme for this episode's vocabulary is sleep. Sleep is something I think I do not get enough of, ever. So maybe that's why I was thinking about sleep words. Our first sleep-related word is drowsy, d r o w s y. Drowsy means sleepy. So if you have stayed up too late. And it's past your bedtime. You might be feeling drowsy. A similar word is groggy, g r o g g y. Groggy means tired and weak and unsteady and maybe a little disoriented. Maybe if you wake up too early, you will feel groggy, sleepy, weak. You're not really sure where you are. You just don't feel quite right. Here's a word you might not have heard before: snooze, s n o o z e, snooze. To snooze means to take a nap, to have a short sleep. And that reminds me of the next word, which is doze, d o z e. To doze is to sleep lightly. The next item on our list is actually a whole phrase: to catch some Z's. To catch C A T C H some S O M E Z's Z apostrophe S. To catch some Z's means to get some sleep. Now, why? Why does it mean that? Why do we say catch some Z's? What are Z's? What's a Z? Well, I think this started in comic strips, where the letter Z was used to represent somebody sleeping. So, over the head of a character who was sleeping, you might see a whole bunch of letter Zs coming out of their mouth or just floating above their head. So now people sometimes say "catch some Zs" when they mean get some sleep. So Zs can mean. Sleep, but you really only use Z's to mean sleep when it's 
a part of that phrase, to catch some Zs. Now, sometimes, if somebody is sleeping very deeply, we might say they are sawing wood. S-A-W-I-N-G, wood, W-O-O-D. In other words, cutting wood with a saw. Now, what does that mean? What does that have to do with sleeping? Well, can you imagine the sound of a saw cutting through wood? Does that sound remind you of anything? Maybe it reminds you of somebody snoring? Well, that's why we say sawing wood when we mean sleeping deeply. Because sawing wood sounds kind of like somebody snoring. Here's another phrase. To toss and turn. To toss and turn. What does that mean, to toss and turn? To toss and turn means to have a difficult time getting to sleep. Imagine somebody lying in bed and they just can't relax. They can't rest. They can't fall asleep. They are tossing and turning in their bed. They're fidgeting. They're wriggling. They're moving around instead of lying peacefully and going to sleep. And the last word in our list of sleep vocabulary is insomnia. I-N-S-O-M-N-I-A. Insomnia. Insomnia means the inability to sleep. Sometimes if people are feeling a lot of stress, they might experience insomnia, and they just can't sleep, or they can't sleep very much, or they have a hard time going to sleep or staying asleep. Well, that is our sleep vocabulary for this episode, and if you listen carefully to conversation, you might hear some of these words soon. This episode's grammar lesson is all about compound nouns. What is a compound noun? A compound noun is a noun that is made up of two pieces, two words put together to make a new word. Let me give you a simple example of a compound noun. If you take the word blue and you combine it with the word bird, you get Bluebird. That's a certain kind of a bird. There's a certain bird called a bluebird. Now, here's what's interesting, or maybe confusing, about compound nouns. In a compound noun, the stress falls on the first part of the compound. Maybe you heard it when I said bluebird. The stress is on blue. Bluebird. A bluebird. Oh, look, do you see the bluebird outside the window? Well, why is that interesting? Why is that unusual? Why am I talking about it at all? Well, what happens if instead of using a compound noun, a noun made up of blue and bird to describe a certain kind of bird, a bluebird, what if we're just using the word blue to describe some bird? I might say, oh, look, did you see that bluebird? It's not the specific kind of bird called a bluebird. It's just some bird that 
is blue. The same way I could talk about a black dog or a white cat or a big tree. I could talk about a blue bird. Okay, great. So what? Who cares? Well, here's why it is interesting. When I'm using two separate words, when I'm using the adjective blue to modify the noun bird, do you hear how the stress is different? When I say, oh, look at that blue bird, the stress is on the second part. The stress is on the noun, a blue bird. When it was a compound noun, when it was a noun that described a particular kind of bird called a bluebird, the stress was at the beginning, a bluebird. So if it's a particular kind of bird, it's a bluebird. But if it's just some bird that is blue, it is a blue bird. The stress is on the noun. The stress is on the second part. Here are some other examples that maybe will help you see this pattern or help you hear this pattern. What about if we use the adjective dark and the noun room? Well, if we put them together into a new noun, we have a dark room. A dark room is a special room used for making photographs. I guess that's kind of an old-fashioned word now. Do people still make photographs in a dark room, or is it all done on a computer? Well, back when people did this the old-fashioned way with film in their cameras, they would make photographs in a dark room. Not in a dark room, but in a dark room. Do you see how the stress is on the beginning? The stress is on that adjective, dark. I'm making photographs in my dark room. If I want to talk about a room that is dark, the stress will be on the noun. I could say, when I walk into a dark room, I can't see anything. Do you hear the difference? When it's a single noun, a special noun with a special meaning, it's dark room, stressed on the first syllable, stressed on the adjective. But when it's just an adjective modifying a noun, as in, when I walk into a dark room, the stress is on the noun. The stress is on the second part. Let me give you two more examples. What if you have a board, you know, a, a piece of wood, and the board is white? You might describe that as a white board. Do you hear the stress on the end? A white board. But what if it's that special surface at the front of a classroom that a teacher writes on? That is called a whiteboard. Do you hear how the stress is at the beginning? A whiteboard. And finally, what do you call a glass house where plants are grown, where plants can be grown even in the winter, even when it's cold? You call that a greenhouse. It's a single compound made of an adjective and a noun, greenhouse. Put them together, you get something with a new meaning, a greenhouse, stressed on the first part, stressed on the adjective green. But what if you're just walking down the street and you see a house that is green? Well, that would be called a green house, where house is stressed. Okay, does this all make sense now? The important thing is to notice this pattern. In compound nouns made of an adjective and a noun, the adjective is stressed. The first part is stressed. But in regular noun phrases, where an adjective just 
modifies a noun, the noun is stressed. So it's the difference between greenhouse and greenhouse, or whiteboard and whiteboard, or dark room and dark room, and bluebird and bluebird. I thought it was important to introduce this pattern to you because it's the kind of thing you might hear and you might have a hard time understanding what someone's talking about. When you think they're talking about, for instance, a room that is dark, but they're actually talking about a special kind of a room called a dark room. Well, maybe after this lesson, you will start to hear compounds like this and you'll be able to understand what people are saying. This episode's small talk topic, or social situation, is one that is quickly becoming old-fashioned, I think, because it has to do with calling people on the phone. And I think we're all using the phone less and less often these days. I think more often we use texting or emailing to contact people. But what if you still need to use the phone to call somebody, a friend, or maybe somebody in an office, or your friend at your friend's office. Well, this is what you will say if you are calling a general number for the office or for the business, or if you're calling the switchboard. In other words, this is what you will say if you're not calling a particular person's own private phone or their own private number. Let's say you are calling to speak to your friend John. Okay? So, when somebody answers the phone and says, hello, or hello, this is, and then they say the name of the business, what do you say? You will probably want to say one of these things. The first one I think is the most common, and that is, hi, is John there? Hi, is John there? Or you could say, hi, could I speak to John? Or, hi, could I please speak to John? Or you could also say, Hi, could you transfer me to John's number? Or could you transfer me to John's phone? I think any one of those three things will get you through most of these phone situations. They all sound perfectly polite and perfectly natural. So again, they were, Hi, is John there? Hi, could I speak with John? And, hi, could you transfer me to John's number or could you transfer me to John's phone? I know sometimes people feel a little bit anxious, a little bit uncomfortable when they have to make a phone call. And I think for people who are not native speakers, it can be even more uncomfortable sometimes. Well, I don't think it needs to be. And I think that when you know these simple things to say to accomplish simple things, it can make everything a lot easier. And if you need to, you can practice these phone calls. You can pretend that you're having the phone call and practice these special, simple questions. Is John there? Can I speak to John? And can you transfer me to John's number? And with those simple expressions in mind, I think you will have no trouble.
And now it's time, at last, for the joke of the week. A joke that might not be very funny, but might still show us something interesting about English. And this week's joke is this. What starts with the letter T, ends with T, and has T inside? What starts with the letter T, ends with T, and has T inside? Do you have any ideas? Do you have any thoughts about this? What starts with T, ends with T, and has T inside? Well, the answer is a teapot. Huh? Why is it a teapot? Well, if you haven't figured it out already, it's because tea can mean two very different things. Tea can mean the letter T or the drink T. So a teapot starts with the letter T. It ends with the letter T. T-E-A-P-O-T. Teapot. Starts with T, ends with T, and of course a teapot has tea inside. It has the drink called tea inside. I don't know. I think this one's pretty good. I think you should try this joke on friends of yours and see if you can get them to laugh. For the final segment of the podcast, I'm going to give you another quiz. I've been experimenting with different kinds of quizzes. We've had a spelling quiz and a vocabulary quiz and listening quizzes. Well, today we're going to have a sentence quiz, I guess you could call it. I'm going to read you five sentences, and one of them has an error. And let's see if you can find the sentence that has the error. Are you ready? Sentence number one. The teacher's students never forget to do their homework. The teacher's students never forget to do their homework. Number two. While she was trying to sleep, she kept thinking about the problem her sister was having. While she was trying to sleep, she kept thinking about the problem her sister was having. Number three. The friends went out to enjoy soccer game. The friends went out to enjoy soccer game. Number four. Could you tell me how to get to the nearest bus stop? Could you tell me how to get to the nearest bus stop? And sentence number five. When he was at work, a package was delivered to his apartment. When he was at work, a package was delivered to his apartment. Okay, now if you need to think about it for a minute, you can pause the podcast and then start it up again when you're ready to hear the answer. Okay, and here is the correct answer or the incorrect answer. Here is the one sentence that had an error in it. It was number three. The friends went out to enjoy soccer game. Now, why is that wrong? Where's the mistake in that? Well, it has to do with count nouns versus non-count nouns, which is something I don't think I have talked about on the podcast yet. It's a very complicated topic. 
I'm sure I will talk about it in a future episode, but for now, we'll just say that when using a noun like game, a soccer game, we need to use an article like a, an, or the if we're talking about one. If we're talking about one game, we have to say something like the friends went out to enjoy a soccer game or the friends went out to enjoy the soccer game. But in our sentence number three, there was no article. It was just the friends went out to enjoy soccer game. And that's an error. So number three is the one sentence that had a mistake in it. Well, how did you do? Did you get the correct answer? And that's the end of episode 40 of Everybody ESL. Remember, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or if you would like to record the introduction to a future episode the same way you heard Allison's introduction at the beginning of this episode, send an email to everybodyesl at gmail.com. I'll be back soon with another episode, and until then... Keep going, keep practicing, and keep learning. Goodbye. I'll see you soon. Bye.